listening to the Oil & Gas This Week podcast with Mark LaCour and Paige Wilson. This is the show for busy oil pros who quickly want to keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. You're listening to the Oil & Gas This Week podcast brought to you by IBM. This is the show for busy oil pros who want to quickly keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. Thanks for joining us for episode 220. How's it going, Mark? What's up, girl? Well... <laughs> I mean, we had a drive-by hurricane. Yeah, we made it through Halloween. Yeah, and by the time this goes out, we'll have a new president. Uh, that's true. And speaking of new stuff, you know what we're doing that's new? Well, there's a lot, so that's really <laughs> a really broad question. So one of the things that we're doing that's new is on Tuesday, November 10th, here in Houston, if you're in the local area, the Houston chapter of the American Petroleum Institute, the API, which I sit on the board, is doing its first in-person live luncheon since this crazy COVID-19 year has started. And not only are we doing this, the first live luncheon, but it's a wonderful feel-good story about a group of operators who made a discovery that is bigger than the Permian, and they're drilling and they're growing. So in all this doom and gloom, they're hiring. Right? Oh, that's awesome. So if you want to come join us in person, come check it out. We'll put a link in the show notes. Now, the luncheon's going to sell out quickly. So if you want to come join us, grab your seat now. I think it's 35 bucks. And if you show up, come find me. I'll be there, and I'd love for you to introduce yourself. And if for some reason, if you can't make it or if you're not in Houston, we're also going to live stream it so that link will be in the show notes as well but this is a great event people you need to come check it out like i said if you come come find me in person it may have a whole handful of hard hat stickers to get out so if you listen to this and you find me at the api lunch and ask me for a hard hat sticker i'll make sure to give you a stack of those then yep let's get to the reviews love the show but <laughs> hey guys i'm new to the industry and really enjoy the show great way to stay get up to speed on things oil and gas keep up the great work two critiques hmm it seems as it as if every time there is a discussion of policy proposals or initiatives here or abroad that aim to address the environmental impact of the oil and gas industry is referring to be as political. While surely some proposed such policies have political motives, the same could also be said for those arguing from the opposite side of the issue. Good point. Whether you agree with environmental friendly policies or not, there are those, even in the industry, who believe that the economic benefits of the oil and gas industry should be balanced with preserving clean air, water, air, etc. You have spoken on occasion about the positive steps the industry has taken to protect the environment, and those steps are commendable, but that is more than recent phenomenon relative to the industry's history. By dismissing any environmental-friendly initiative as purely political contributes to an all-or-nothing perspective that eliminates any discussion of balanced environmental and economic policy. So stop right there. Okay. So I had to really think this one through. There's a couple of things in here that I don't think are exactly on point, but after thinking this through and looking at it, he's right. I should not make a blanket policy that it's always political. So, you know, thanks for kind of like making me stop and rethink the way I think about my own stuff, right? My own cognitive bias got in the way there. So I will continue to talk about politics where it affects our industry. If you don't know this, you're a new listener. I actually have a degree in wildlife management. So I care. Not only do I care about the environment, I know how it works more or less. So, but a big shout out. Thanks for uh, setting me straight here. I, I actually did dismiss it and try to make everything one way or the other. And that's not how the world should be. It's not how I should be looking at this from a political point I of view. I agree, but we're kind of overwhelmed with just political everything. So I understand both sides for sure. Yeah. Let's go to the next one. So the next <laughs> the next part of this, I've been giving you crap for, for a couple of weeks. Pronouncing Biden as Biden 
eight years as vice president <laughs> and last year as president <laughs> presidential candidate and you don't know how to pronounce his name really thanks again for the great work yeah. so that's from nickel 95 yeah so have you ever had page you've heard somebody mispronounce a word to you and somehow it gets stuck in your head and you can't get it out yeah i guess if somebody says something wrong, like cinnamon. Well, I did it for years with aluminum. Alum, I was going to say I aluminum. I heard somebody from UK say aluminum. And for the next five years of my life, I couldn't say aluminum. <laughs> it's, it's the same way with Ben. Somebody said it the wrong way. I know his name is Biden, but somebody said it the wrong way and it got stuck in my head. Yeah, but also you think way faster than what comes out of your mouth. So sometimes it just kind of gets... It's Somebody said it the wrong way, it got stuck in my head. So I do know that's not the right way to pronounce his name. It's not, speaking of politics, it's not me making fun of him no. in some sleight of hand way. I just pronounce his name wrong half the time. My apologies to a presidential hopeful Biden. All right. So let's get into the news stories. First one, natural gas giant EQT to pursue takeover of CNX resources. So Paige, you know what's going to happen? This is going to create a natural gas titan like the world has never seen. You know, this hasn't got a whole bunch of news play like some of the other mergers and acquisitions, but oh my God, is this going to be cool. Now, the good thing from a employment point of view is this is going to allow EQT, who I've known forever, to start growing, even this time of low gas prices. It gives them a great hold in the Permian, but also in the Marcellus. And then CNX has a, a bunch of good operating fields out there in the Appalachians. And so, I mean, just this is going to be an incredibly pure natural gas company. I mean, they're they're adding 564,000 net acres. And this could give EQT a leading position in the Marcellus, but it's also going to allow them to maybe offload CNX's Utica coal bed methane assets, right, to actually develop some cash. So smooth move. We expect more of this sort of stuff to happen, but you know, I would not be surprised as EQT already has its eyes on another gas takeover. And I tell you what, they've passed up ExxonMobil in the U.S. right now as far as the natural gas production. No kidding. Yeah, so expect to see a bunch of stuff coming out of this in 2021. I would not be surprised if you see some very long-term LNG contracts being negotiated by EQT because they're just in a position of power now. I mean, literally, in the low gas price we are now, they're sitting really pretty. So this is one of many acquisitions to happen in the next probably 12 to 18 months, but this has created a natural gas titan of un unbearable proportions, which is actually good. So next article is Cinevis and Husky combined to create a resilient integrated energy leader. Yeah, this is really interesting. So long story short, Cinevis is basically acquiring Husky for an all stock deal. It's valued about $24 billion, not including the debt. But here's the interesting thing. If you read through what's actually going on, this is going to give Cinevis access to Husky's portfolio in the oil sands, but it's also going to allow them to skip Canada and export their crude and natural gas to other parts of the world, including the U.S., and refine it outside of, of Canada, right? So right now, there's a lot of political things going on in Canada that's limit, limiting the movement of hydrocarbons. Think of pipelines. And this is just basically almost like they did a it run around the government of Canada. And they found a loophole. They, well, they found a loophole. And they also, it's, it's not so much a loophole as it just makes business sense. When you buy Husky with all of their infrastructure they have here in the U.S., if you look at what they're doing, it's amazing what the combined companies could be able to do. And once again, unfortunately, they're going to be able to kind of sidestep a lot of stuff that's going on in Canada and actually generate revenue in other parts of the world. Great idea. I think it's extremely strategic move. This is obviously thought out well ahead. But at the same time, it also means that a lot of the jobs that this new company's going to create is not going to be in Canada, 
which I just hate to see for our Canadian brothers, sisters up there. But it's the exposure to the West Canadian select is differentials could be great for them. It's give them much more stable cash flow, give them much better credit profile. I think before they were at $75 million line of credit. Now it's going to bump it up to $150 million line of credit. So smooth mood by them. Unfortunately, part of what they're doing is trying to get around a lot of the regulations going on in Canada. And they're doing it legally, right? They're doing it by acquiring right. assets in other countries. So really interesting move. I, I, I want to keep an eye on this because their break-even point at WTI is about $36 a barrel, which is about what we are now. I fully expect that go, to go up to $60 a barrel sometime in the first or second quarter of 2021, which means they're going to be sitting on some very profitable wells. Good deal. All right. So the next one is GOM Walker Ridge Seismic Program starts. GOM as in Gulf of Mexico. Yeah, this is really cool. So this is a geoscience firm called CGG who's been around since the 1930s. See if I get my French right. A Compagnie Générale de Geophysique, right? That's actually the original French name for the company. And what they've done is they've taken old seismic data in an area of the Gulf of Mexico that's very convoluted with a bunch of ridges and valleys and, and salt layers. It's very hard to get a clear picture of what the reserves look like. They're taking old data and by using new technology, and they're able to come out and look at these surveys in a different way to give them much more accurate insights into what that reservoir looks like. So they're basically reprocessing existing data with new high-performance 3D software. And it's amazing what they're able to see. And so what they're going to be able to do is they'll take this Walker Ridge, which everybody, every major operator knows in the Gulf of Mexico, the Walker Ridge has a lot of recoverable hydrocarbons, but where are they? What depth? Where's the layer? And they're able to figure this stuff out. The thing I think is cool about this is you're taking new technology with old data and old reservoirs and no feedback from the geophysicists. I know that all reservoirs are old, right? (laughs) But they're able to actually narrow down exactly where those hydrocarbons are, which means they'll be much more accurate with their drilling, which means you'll drive costs down and it's much safer for the environment because you don't have as many test wells. So from a a firm that's been around, that's been doing geoscience in the 1930s, this is awesome. Yeah, that's out in deep water too. All right. So next article, serial fuel crisis eases as Iran delivers new oil supplier. Yeah. So, you know, we talked earlier about politics. I'm going to make a little bit of an analogy here. So here's a country who is sitting on a ton of hydrocarbons. I mean, literally oil and natural gas, like you have no idea. Because of the strife and all the the war that's been going on for a decade, they can't get out of the ground. So they depend on other countries to supply their fuel sources. In the U.S. right now, if depending on what happens with our political elections that are going on, we could end up in something that's almost similar. We could end up in a place where politically, even though we have tons of hydrocarbons in the ground in the U.S., that it just costs too much to get them out the ground. And if it costs too much to get them out the ground, we are going to be dependent on other countries right. for gasoline and diesel. You know, And I know that's a bit of a stretch, but here's some reality going on right now. So Syria, the fuel crisis is horrible. Sometimes people wait two weeks, Paige, to get three gallons of gasoline. Wow. Right, right. And a lot of the vehicles that are in Syria are from the 70s and 80s. So they're not getting 35 miles a gallon. They get 12 or 13 miles a gallon. This is Iran coming in, even though the sanctions there to help try to solve some of this. You know, the conflict that's been going on for over 10 years has forced them to rely on Iran for about half of their needs, their, their fuel needs, which is not a good place to be. The U.S. sanctions are playing a big part in this. The other countries that normally would help supply that have stepped away from supplying because of the sanctions. 
And so this is just not good for the, the people in Syria. In a strange sort of way, it's good for the people in Iran a little bit because they're actually making money at trying to help, you know, help Syria with their shortages, but they're doing it in a very profitable manner. So just a mess in the Middle East. This is why I still have my eye on the Middle East. There's so much of this type of stuff going on that I'm worried that it's a fuse box and all it's going to take is one person or one government doing the wrong thing and it's going to start violence and it's going to escalate throughout the Middle East, which we don't need. So, right. you know, let's yeah. make, let's hope that this fixes itself. Let's hope that the people of Syria are able to get the fuel they need and we, we move past this. All right. So the next article is this 40 billion pipeline project risks becoming a stranded asset. So this is really interesting. So Europe relies on Russia for their energy and, they, and they've done that for, for 20 years. Right. And so here's a very large pipeline project basically to bring Russian natural gas all the way to Europe. Now, it's not, there's already existing pipelines that do that. But this is a much bigger one. Now, the interesting thing about this is being funded by Turkey and Greece who stand to make a decent amount of money off this. The European Union at one time had funded this, but now with the rising availability of LNG and with the U.S.'s desire to Russian to lessen Russian's chokehold on Europe as far as energy and for Europe's ability to take this LNG from the U.S. and economically put it in their system, it's changing things. And so this pipeline is not finished. It was promised as a game changer for Europe's energy market. And what may happen is it may end up being built halfway or three quarters, and it's not worth it. It's not worth moving gas in it because it's easier to move LNG by tanker. So if this South gas corridor becomes a stranded asset, which is what this article is talking about, you watch. They're going to end up putting it on the market. Somebody's going to buy it. I would not be surprised if somebody chops it up in bits and pieces and uses it for LNG distribution through that part of the world, right? So you can take it and, and then take a piece of this pipeline and sell LNG to Russia or sell LNG to Turkey or to Greece or to France or to Germany. I think that's where this thing is going to go. But it's just, isn't it, isn't it interesting to see a project that made so much financial sense 15 or 20 years ago now not make any sense at all? Yeah. Well, it is 2020, so... All right, so next one is Contango Oil and Gas Company and Midcon Energy Partners LP announced strategic merger continuing Contango's consolidation strategy. Contango announces related increase in borrowing base. Yeah, so Contango just wants some more, a bigger reserve base. Right. <laughs> so they're hitting Midcon, who have much larger base, and they're actually looking to increase free cash flow. This is interesting because you wouldn't think this type of deal would come together now. This is what a deal should have happened before the craziness of 2020 and the double black swan event, right. which means I think there's something else going on here. If you look at Contango, they ended their third quarter with about $66 million in debt that was outstanding based on a $75 million barn base. So basically, if you think about it like a credit card, they had $75 million that they could charge on the credit card and they've run it up to $66 million, which right. is not a good ratio. No, right? it's not. But once this thing goes through, that $66 million is going to drop down to $30 million, and that $75 million cap on their credit card is going to increase to $200 million. So I almost think this is a way for them to leverage their debt in a time where companies that own that debt are scared to say no, right? Because now in, in today's world, if you have an operator or a pipeline company that can still pay the interest on the debt, that's a good customer, as opposed to when oil was $100 a gallon, people are paying off their debt left and right. So this is going to be interesting to keep your eye on. And the one thing I, I think is cool about this is it's going to allow Contango to, to maintain a very strong balance sheet. And it's basically they're just moving their capital structure around between bank debt and common equity. So this might be a new business model of the future, which the midstream part of our industry has been moving that way for a while. So I really want to keep an eye on this because I really think this might be something different. Instead of just a one-off, this might be a new trend. Might be. All right. Total boasts second significant discovery offshore South Africa. So you know what the Cape of Good Hope is? Mm-hmm. 
That's the very southern part of Africa right. that is one of the most dangerous areas to have to move a boat or ship around. Because right? of pirates, right? The weather. The it's, weather? It's okay. not that far from Antarctica, and it's icebergs and huge waves and storms. Like on your way to New Zealand, right? Sort of, yeah. Sort of. So <laughs> here's a couple things I think is cool. So first thing, they started drill with the deep sea scavenger drilling rig. You want to guess where that rig came from? No. The North Sea. North Sea. Wow. Does that make sense? Yeah, Same okay. rough environment, right? That makes sense, yeah. And this area of South Africa has been explored quite a bit, but not that many people have drilled there. And what's really interesting about this discovery is Total has decided, which by the way, Total owns 45% of this and Qatar Petroleum owns another 25%. And then CNR, which is a, a South African story, owns another 10%. But the interesting thing about this is that Usually at this point where they make their first discovery, their first test well, most companies go and drill other test wells to verify that discovery, right? Flow rates, reserves, pressures, all that. Right. Total's going, no, we're going full commercial this full well, which tells me that, not that anybody's lying, but it tells me that from a business point of view, a lot of the facts about discovery is being hidden, right? Mm-hmm. This discovery must be way more lucrative than what they're saying in this PR announcement, or right. there's no way they would take a test well and go full production. So, you know, shout out to Total for number one, keeping this quiet. Number two, figuring out how to drill and produce in an area of the world that is the environment is extreme. And number three, it just makes sense to pull a rig and a crew from Norway who probably look at the Cape of Good Hope and go, eh, looks like home, other than the penguins. <laughs> All right, so Philippines is getting ready to drill for oil and gas. Oh, boy, there's so much geopolitics in this. So uh, Sorry, I picked the wrong one. No, 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 this is good, it's good. And, you know, a lot of stuff that people don't understand that's going on. So China has been causing trouble in the South China Sea for a long time. You think of the islands they've built, they've managed to aggravate every other country (laughs) in the South China Sea. I mean, literally, Taiwan, Vietnam, Malaysia, Brunei, and the Philippines all are mad at China because China keeps saying they own the South China Sea and other countries over history and over judicial rulings say they don't. So this discovery they found that the Philippines wants to drill is actually from a world legal point of view actually owns it belongs to the philippines but china disputes it and says it belongs to china so the really interesting thing is you know what they decided to do page what's up they decided to make a joint partnership oh so think about that from a geopolitical point of view so now china isn't going to get the hate from the rest of the world from take not letting the philippines drill there the Philippines need the energy badly. Their population is growing. They need to be able to supply abundant energy to their people. They've had some really hard times from a weather point of view, from natural disasters point of view in the last 20 years, and their population is growing. So what the Philippines did is lifted their moratorium to drill, formed a joint venture with China, and now they're drilling. Now, China gets the good press in the news, right? So they don't get bad press. The Philippines gets good energy. The thing is, they don't like each other. So it made sense for them to do this deal, but long-term-wise, there is no way this is going to hold together. It may hold together for this well or for this field or for for the term of this agreement, but there's so much territorial dispute going on between every other country on the South China Sea and China. There's just no way this is is going to stay together for long-term. But I do think it's a very cool way to make it work for now. Almost like somebody hired a really good PR firm or marketing firm said, how can we take these two people that don't want to talk to each other, they're fighting over this one piece of cake and make it good for everybody. So they both get money. And they they both get money. Right. So it's definitely a temporary win-win for both sides. You know, from a long-term geopolitical point of view, you know, China is really working hard to stake its claim in the Chinese sea. And they're doing that for a reason, for the energy that's there. They, They need the hydrocarbons there for their growing population. Right. So let's keep an eye on this. We'll see what happens. 
All right. So booming e-commerce, a lifetime for oil demand. So this is really interesting. You read through this article and, you know, Paige and I, you and I use Amazon literally at least once a week, right? Between the two of us. Yeah, it's definitely become an issue for me. <laughs> so we need the demand for hydrocarbons to go up. And one of those hydrocarbon demands is stuff like diesel. Well, that's what most of the trucks at delivery that Amazon uses and all the other delivery companies use. Well, freight companies are actually seeing an increase in business all over the world. The interesting thing about here in the U.S. is that the end of third quarter of this year, trucking companies have saw the largest growth. That they actually brought them back to pre-pandemic levels. Now, that's not all fuel consumption. That's only commercial freight consumption. But that is awesome. The same thing's going on in Europe. And then guess what's coming down the road at us, Paige? What's that? Christmas. Oh, yeah. So, now, yeah, that's going to be amped up. shop differently this Christmas? Well, I think people are going to be a little lean about it because, I mean, there's not going to be a lot of gatherings. But I see still think that it's going to be a lot than a lot more than what we have going on right now. So how do you think most people are going to shop for Christmas this year? Online. Which just increased the demand for diesel. Exactly. So it's actually a really cool thing to read this. So the freight rebound is helping bring crew prices back up. It's still slow, but we're seeing the beginning of the stampede. We're seeing the first domino fall to knock the rest of them down. We've been talking about this for a couple of months where we need the demand to go up. We need trucking to go up. We need people to start flying again. We need people to start buying more lipstick. And so this is just a really good sign that we're headed in that direction. And then when Christmas gets here, which is not that far away, it's going to really bolster the demand for diesel. Here's the interesting thing. Some of these freight companies can't hire enough people. I believe it. So if you're a roughneck or, or anything and you can't find a job right now, Go find one of these companies that have truckings. Go get your CDL license and start driving a truck. I know it's not as glamorous as, as you know, doing downhole drill, but it pays while drilling, but right. it pays the bills. Right. So, and that that demand for for truck driving for in the U.S. is expected to go up immensely. They expect by the end of 2021, there should be about 300,000 truck driving jobs a month they can't fill. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, I might get a new job. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah. All right, so last article, modest increase gives rig count its sixth straight gain. Yeah, so the rig count's creeping up. We're, I haven't looked today, but we're still in the sub $40 a barrel for WT. I think around $39 uh, last time I checked. But you're starting to see the rigs start to creep back up. Production's starting to creep back up. Not globally, but here and, and in other parts of the world as well. And so this is what we want to see. We want to see a slow, steady trend back up. We don't want to see a huge jump in drilling and production because that will increase the supply which then will hurt the demand which will keep prices low at the same time we don't want to see the opposite where prices spike and then everybody starts producing which will then drive prices back down again right so this is what we want to see it's a good article in houston chronicle talking about how especially in the permian you're starting to see activity pick back up you're starting to see some people start to hire this article says that 40 dollars a barrel is that magic number which we're awfully close to we actually were above 40 dollars a barrel for quite a long time the last couple of months we dropped back down yeah but i expect that right literally right before christmas so say December 10th or so, we should be back up above $40 a barrel. So nice to see the activity starting to creep back up. You know, we just need to get there. Yeah. All right. All right. What about a giveaway? Well, has anybody contacted you? Has number 78 contacted nope. you? Well, all right. Well, we got one more week, I believe. Yep. And then, and then I guess I'm going to give another number. And people, we got some really cool stuff, like very unique, very collectible, one of a kind type of stuff to give away. Oh, yeah. 
So if you have the shirt, there's a unique serial number on the on the under the front chest pocket. Write that down. Keep that close to you. If you don't have the search, it's easy. Go to the website, or if you listen to this on mobile, scroll down or left, depending if you're Android or iOS, you'll see the link on the IBM shirt. Click on it. Register. We give one a week. If you don't win, you can register every week. Right? Every week. And they're really cool shirts. And we just switched the logo on it, which means that the original shirts are even more collectible than these shirts right? because they had the original OGG and logo on right. it. Right. So people go sign up. It's really cool. And then weekly rig count page, we just had an article on that. What's it looking like? All right. So in the United States, we've got 296, which is nine up. Awesome. Canada, 86, three up. Awesome. International, 702, down 45. Yeah. Well, let's, us in Canada are doing well. The rest of the world will catch up with us. Slowly but truly. Quick back up. Everything's starting to look good again. And then LinkedIn. Just go to LinkedIn, search OGGN. Whatever pops up, join. <laughs> <laughs> There's links for the company page, our group page, and then our street team. And street team's getting new. Sh- we just went to go design shirts. Yeah, me and Warren went and designed new shirts. We're actually waiting for them to approve. Are we going to let the street team I think Warren's letting them do it. I picked mine. You picked yours, which was completely different right. than mine. <laughs> and I think he picked something different. So we're just going to let street team. street team figure it out. But street team, we got your swag in the works. We got hard hat stickers already for you. We got shirts coming as soon as we agree upon what they're supposed to look like. <laughs> we got a bunch of other cool stuff to go on. You know, one of the things that we don't talk much about the street team that Warren's working in there is networking. So when you join the street team, let's say that you're, you want an introduction to somebody at Halliburton. Let's say you're a salesperson, you want an introduction to Halliburton. Well, now you can talk to other street team members saying, hey, who do you know at Halliburton? You can even talk to me. I know a lot of people at Halliburton. I'd be happy I know to quite a few too. At the same time, if you're a street team member, and unfortunately, if you're looking for a job, guess what else? We can all help you find a job. Yep. Right? So the networking part, which is what we don't talk about, is actually really valuable to the street team. So people, go join the street team. It's our all-volunteer group. We ask you to give us an hour's worth of work a month. If you can't, that's cool because you know life gets in the way, and we got a bunch of cool stuff coming. And then website. I don't want to send people to Oil & Gas this week to sign up because it's getting ready to go away. Well, so they need to go ahead and just click the link that we have in the show notes to ask a question for First Friday Q&A. And so, I mean, it'll change. Yeah. But we'll just update the links. Yeah. So everybody, my apologies. We're in the transition of moving everything to OGGN.com. It's been pretty hectic. (laughs) Yeah, it it has been. The site looks great. It runs great, but we've had some issues now and then just because we're so big, we have so much content we have to move around. So for now, for first Friday Q&A, continue to ask questions on the Oil & Gas This Week website. Relatively soon, there'll be a place to do that on OGGN.com. If you go to Oil & Gas This Week website and it's not there, that's the point when you know everything's been moved over to OGGN.com. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Speaking of getting everything moved over, Savannah's been doing a great job with the monthly oil and gas events newsletter. If you haven't signed up for that, goes the links in the show. It's going to sign up for that. We basically take all the oil and gas events that are going on and put them in your inbox. Today, most of them are virtual, but we also have some that are starting to happen in person, like the API lunch I talked about. Right. We have some other stuff that's starting to happen in person. They're starting to be planned for 2021. In the newsletter, now you get notified of that, but sometimes you get discount tickets or free tickets, or you get notified of things the public doesn't know about. So go sign up. And, and also, if, if you don't see it in your inbox, it's probably in your spam. Which, by the way, audits, do me a big favor. If any of our OGGN or Motopoint stuff ends up in your spam folder, can you please mark it as not spam? Because what that does is it trains the AI that, hey, these emails are legit. And if I get enough of y'all to do that, it won't end up in anybody's spam folder. So we all benefit right? from it. And then if you want me or any of our experts to come speak at your event in person, virtually or whatever, holler at us and we'll share the details with you. We talked about the first Friday Q&A. Basically, that's where you ask a question to help educate our audience, not stump Paige and I. Which is next week. Which is next week. Then if we use your question on the air, you get a huge shout out. 
And then other than that, Paige, we're headed toward Thanksgiving. So expect to have our annual Thanksgiving episode to be out at some time where we go happy Thanksgiving. And bye. (laughs) Bye. Time to eat. (laughs) Um, But, you know, for all of our new listeners, thank you very much for joining us. You're part of the family. For all our existing listeners, we could have never gotten here without you. I mean, literally never gotten here. We have grown so much and it's all because of you. So we appreciate each and every one of you. On that note, Paige, you ready to get out of here? Sure am. Remember, folks, do great work, pay it forward, and we will see you next time. And here's Savannah with Events on Deck. Hey, everybody. It's Savannah from OGGN, and here are the Events on Deck for October 2020. We've got about five events this month, three of which are online, one of which is in person, and one of which is both. First up, we have the Houston Energy Breakfast Virtual Conference on the 6th, which is about embracing the evolving market landscape, and that'll be online. Second, we have Adipec 2020, which is an interactive online event going on from the 9th to the 12th. Third, we have OGGN and API Houston Chapter Presents, the opening of the Deep Cavango Basin, which will be live streamed directly to LinkedIn and other platforms from the event in downtown Houston on the 10th. Fourth, we have the Energy API 3-Gun Challenge on the 13th, which is in person at the Ranch Shooting Club in Eagle Lake, Texas. Last, we have the Downstream Leadership Forum, which will be our last event of the month from the 19th to the 20th, and that'll be online. Other than these events, I believe OGGN will be hosting some live streams this month, so make sure to check out our Facebook, LinkedIn, or our website for more information about any of the live streams we have coming up. That's all for November. I hope you guys have a great month, and thanks for tuning in. Tune in next week for another informative and entertaining episode of Oil & Gas This Week Podcast a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.